Today we continue our series and we close it out next week with the theme, Hard to Move. We're going to focus today on the issue with children and how we create hard to move children. And next week we're going to close out the series and talk about how we create hard to move families. There's some families that are just difficult to move in the right direction. And some of you said, that's my family. <laughs> there are some issues that are just hard to move. Some of you have children and you say, I'm having the hardest time moving my child in the right direction. And I want to show you three reasons why today that's true. And then next month, we're going to start a brand new series called How to Manage Rainy Days. My big question for you next month will be, do you have a rainy day plan? And I'm going to show you four things you can do to have a better plan for the days it's going to rain. Has anybody ever experienced the rain before? Well, I'm going to show you how to manage the rainy days in your life. But if you'll watch me, with me today, I want to show you a simple but profound um, three things that answers the question about managing and dealing with hard-to-move children. Now, if I can set the stage for you, this is a chapter we're going to study in the book of Judges that's a surprise it's a surprise because this is the end of the story of Joshua. And Joshua was the servant of Moses. He's the leader of the army. He was an incredible guy. He's the guy who made those great statements in Joshua chapter 1 about be strong, be courageous. He's just amazing. But at the end of his life, a surprising thing happens. They stop teaching their children. And in chapter 2, verse 6, you're going to 10, rather, you're going to see that one of the things that was said that was so amazing about Joshua was that when they got to this place, that they, they, um, the children were of age, and there's a statement that says, and I'll read it to you later, it says that the, the children didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. How in the world could a man who experienced walking across the Red Sea, seeing the Red Sea open, saw the plagues in Egypt, how could he have grandchildren who never heard the story? How in the world could you say, and you look at your family, say, how, after granddaddy, grandmama worked so hard, how could my sisters or siblings be like this? What happened between them and now? And so what I want to show you is the three things that tend to happen that lead to that. And if you look at your notes, I'm going to give you three simple statements. I'm going to read them for you and briefly summarize how they work. First of all, if you want to know how to create hard-to-move children, the first thing you should do is leave important family issues unresolved. Say that with me, please. Come on, say, leave important family issues unresolved. Half do the issues, ignore the issues, and you're guaranteed to create a problem long-term for your family. There were things you're going to discover with me that were never finished. And you want to ask yourself, how many times have I started things and didn't finish? Second thing you're going to see is if you leave them, your children, in the hands of bad influences long-term, you are guaranteed to create hard-to-move children. There's something about where your children land, where you land, and we'll talk about that. And then lastly, when you stop healthy family, big word, teaching traditions, when you stop teaching your children, somewhere between here and there, work became more important, life became more important, and you stop teaching your children. When you do that, you're guaranteed to create hard-to-move children. Go back to the first, on number one, let me show you, in Judges chapter 1, verse 27, in your notes. And I, put, I laid it out for you so it's easy. You don't have to get confused. 
You have to turn, you want to use your Bible, you can. But in Judges chapter 1, verse 27, there's a listing of the tribes of Israel by name. And in these tribes, it describes what they did after Joshua died. And one of the first things you're going to notice is they didn't complete the battle. So Joshua gave them the land. They won. They had conquered everything. But look at verse 27. But Manasseh never managed to drive out Bethshane. They never completed the job. The Canaanites dug in their heels and wouldn't budge. This is the message version of the Bible, so it's real easy to read. Verse 28, when Israel became stronger, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they never got rid of them. They let them stay, and they said, well, I'll just hang around, and we'll let you guys work for us. But they never, ever, ever finished the job. Verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. The Canaanites just stuck it out and lived there with them. Then in verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out uh, the Canaanites. They just kept living there, and they were eventually put them to forced labor, but they noticed they didn't finish the job. Notice Asher, in verse 31, did not drive out the people of Acho. Notice that in verse um, uh, 33, Naphtali uh, fared no better. They couldn't drive out the people of Beth Shemesh. Verse 34, the Amorites pushed the people of Dan up into the hills and wouldn't let them down. This was a nation of people who got halfway done. Let me ask you this question. What in your life have you not completed? What have you not finished? What are the Amorites, the, the, the Hittites that you've allowed to stay in your life? You could have paid off your debt, right? But you decided to keep it and hold on to it a little bit longer. You could have. You could have. You could have. There were things you could have adjusted. There were friends that you know weren't really that good for you. They really were a bad influence. But you, eh, you still go hang out. You still kind of hang around a little bit. And you have not made the hard decision to finish the, the, the process. Now, in your planning, when we first talked about it, when you first prayed about it, you had a complete plan and idea about the changes you were going to make. As a matter of fact, go back to last December and look at what you wrote down. I don't know if you're like me. I started writing around November. Here are the things I'm going to do next year. And look at what you completed. That's what they didn't do, complete things. And so a lot of times families never finish. And because they don't finish, they ended up creating something that was amazing and difficult. Because you take that decision and put it on top of the next decision, they then allowed the people that they stayed around to influence their families. They left them in the hands of bad influences. Look, look with me at verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 in your notes under Roman number, number 2. God's angel went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, here's what God reminded them. I brought you out of Egypt. Read that with me, please. Come on. I brought you out of Egypt. Now listen to this now. And I led you to the land that I promised to your fathers. I've done my part. You know, I gave you a job, put you in church, gave you this, gave you that. So you can name a list of things that God has done his part with. It's not him. He's done his part. And here's what he said. I'll never, ever break your co my covenant with you ever. So there's this amazing sense of promise. Okay, I got you here. I did this. I did. Okay, I gave you children. I gave you a job. I gave you a house, gave you a car. Okay, I got There's a list of things you can name that God has done his part. He's helped you get to a certain place. But here's what happened. But you were, you were told to never make a covenant with the people who live in the land. I want you to tear down their altars, I want to, but you've, obeyed, you've not obeyed me. What's this thing that you're doing? So, so now I'm telling you, and this is important, I won't drive them out before you. Here's the deal. 
if you allow alcohol in your life, right, you allow the things in your life that have hurt you, and you've seen this, that that's your Hittite, that's your Amorite, drugs is your Amorite, your Hittite, whatever it is in your life, and you have chosen to leave that in your life. You've chosen, you prom- okay, I'm going to change God, I'm going to do this. But you, you know, you went to the doctor, right? And he told you, this cigarette is your Hittite. And he said, listen, if you keep smoking this cigarette, you're going to end up meeting Mr. Emphysema. So I'm not going to drive emphysema from you because you won't. There's a moment in your life. See, it was nice when I was talking about some nation, wasn't it, right? When I was talking about some countries. Oh, yeah, the Hittites. I can't believe they let the Hittites stay. You got your own Hittites and your own Amorites in your life that you've allowed to stay and you won't drive them out. You won't end that relationship that you know is toxic for you. That's your Hittite. And so that's why God says, listen, here's the deal. And everybody listen to me. Here's the deal. He says, I'm not going to come and drive him out of your life. I'm not going to come and drive. I'm not taking that out of your hand. I am not going to do it. And there's something about that. When you make the decision to invite a bunch of debt in your life that you don't have to invite in, that becomes your Amorite. And so at some point in your life, you have to pause and say to yourself, what part of this is about me. See, this is why when you read the Bible, sometimes you read it and it's like it's way over there. What I just did was brought it right into your neighborhood. And I made you say, now you know what? He's right about that. I still have allowed these Hittites in my life. And here's what he said. I will not drive them out. I won't drive them out. Verse 3, they will, they will trip you up and their gods will become a trap. When God's angel has spoken these words, the people wept and they cried. Here's, here's, the, here's the real deal. In the King James, it says... These are, they're going to be thorns in your, side, in your eyes, and, and they're going to poke you in the side. They're, they're going to be, it's, it's a vex to you. And, and, and all, all this happens and creates this incredible family tragedy. Because when you take the first thing I told you, they have these unresolved issues, right? And then you take these bad influences and do the third thing, combine that with no healthy family teaching. When you don't talk to them, Here's what happens. Eventually, they lose their way. Listen to what he said in chapter number three there. Notice what they stopped doing. In verse six of chapter two of Judges, they stopped, first of all, being faithful after Joshua and the elders died. When Joshua died, when your grandmama died, granddaddy died, right? And then, you know, then then all of a sudden now, everybody's starting to lose their mind. After Joshua dismissed them, the people of Israel went off to claim their allotted territories and and take possession of the land. The people worshiped God throughout the lifetime of who? Joshua. At the time of the leaders, this is Joshua chapter 2, verse 7. It said, the people worshiped God throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the time of the leaders who survived him. Leaders who had been in all of God's great work and that had done, I'm sorry, look at it again. The people who worshiped God throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the time of the leaders who survived him. Leaders who had been in on all of God's great work that he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of God, died. He was 110 years old, and they buried him. Now, the, the generation of elders who followed Joshua were there with Joshua through all the miracles and all the things that had happened, but somehow they stopped teaching the children. They didn't tell the stories anymore. And so no more Sunday school, no more, you know, golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. They have no clue about any of that, and so now... What happens in verse 10 is eventually the entire generation, 
was buried. Then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God, of God. And this is so tragic. They didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. Amazing. How in the world could you be the descendants of someone who worked so hard to get here? I was on the plane the other day with a young girl from India, and she was, was just talking. It was her first trip to America. And uh, she's so funny. She was so amazing. She's a, she has an MBA, and uh, she's got to be 20, I'd say mid, late 20s, young girl. And she says, um, uh, it's my first time here. And I'm, I'm, I said, hi, I'm so excited. She says, they chose me to come. And uh, she said, uh, I, I'm an auditor, and I audit technology. And she was telling me how, you know, what she does. And, and I, I said, tell me uh, the difference between America and, and, and India. Tell me, tell me what it's like. And as she was talking, I, I thought, man, there's this powerful culture of passing culture. Telling people about what to do and what not to do. And she went to this whole thing, and, and you can tell there was a high emphasis on children. And she talked about, for example, we're talking about school, which is an amazing conversation. And I said, um, well, she says, you, you guys get free education, don't you? For how long? I said, till 12th grade. You're kidding, really? That long? Oh, you pay for every day. In India, you, you can't go to school unless your parents pay. First grade, second grade, all the way to 12th grade, and college. And, and so everything is about college. And then she told me her schedule. She says, you know, you go five days until you get to high school, and then you go six days, and you're off on Sunday. And you go from, oh, on Saturday you go, oh, to half day, but the other day you go from about eight to about three or four, and then you study, and you go to bed about nine, Every day. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, well, do, do, do the teach students ever, like, talk back to the teachers? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. She leaned. <laughs> she says, oh, no. It wouldn't come to their mind. I said, well, do they ever hit the teacher? She said, oh, no. That didn't they hit the teacher? She said, hit the teacher? Oh, I say, oh, my God. I, I never, let me see. I never heard of such a thing. I never heard it never come to my mind that a student would hit a teacher. You mean like hit them? I said, yeah, like hit them. She said, oh, no. I said, what would happen if a teacher... She said, well, first of all, if a student act up... She got real serious. She said, if a student act up, what we do is call the student to the class with the parent and we tell the parent what happened and how they can fix the situation. And if they don't fix the situation, they get out. I said, wow. Culture. Intolerance. Appreciation. You have to understand. I'm not saying India's perfect. They got issues. She said that. We talked about those issues. I'm not saying we want to trade. I'm just making a point. Everybody doesn't think like you think. Somewhere in Joshua's life, they stopped doing the important things. And to be honest, in America, we stopped doing some important things. Oh, come on, people. I'm right about it. We stopped doing some important things. And you want to blame, you want to blame all the officials. And let, me, let, me, let me tell you something that used to be on TV. You remember this? It used to be a commercial. You remember this commercial? 
where are your children? It used to come on like 11 o'clock at night. It would just come on and it would say, where are your children? How could your child commit crime if you was in the house? You can't go commit crime and come in my house and get cereal. I'm sorry. Come on, talk to me, somebody. At some point, it's my responsibility to know. It's my job. And, and I think there's something about people who don't understand you're creating hard-to-move children because, number one, you stopped teaching, and that's what they did. They stopped teaching, and I want you to watch what happened. They started worshiping what was around them. Man, they served, verse 12 said they served the Baal gods. They started worshiping cars and, and celebrities and people on television, which I'm not against celebrities. I'm not against people on television. There are people I know and wonderful people trying to do an art, but what happens is we make them into gods, and they don't even like that. Many of them, some think they like it for a while, but what happens is our kids begin to worship the rap artists and begin to worship people. And I think, I'm not against rap artists. I'm just making a point. They're not meant to be worshipped. And so they started serving the Baals. And then here's what happened under number four in your notes. They provoked God to anger. So God's anger, verse 14 of chapter 2, was, was hot against Israel. And I want you to listen to this. It's so important. Verse 14. He handed them over to plunderers. Who stripped them? You know, God looks at you. Know, okay, you want these people? You want? I'm gonna let you have it. You want? You don't have to. You don't. There's something about. Um. Mm, can I say that? Lord, help me, Jesus. Um. Uh, let me say it in as coded a way as I can. If I gave myself over to romantic pursuits, and that was my whole life. God would not stop me if I chose to be that way. I go a lot of places. And, um, you know, I, um, I, have, um, I wear a ring. It came off this time just a minute ago, but I, I do have a ring. I put it on sometimes. My finger swells. It give me a challenge. But, you know, I, there are times when I, I have, a, if I, I'm everywhere, on planes and hotel rooms, and um, I'm very conscious of, of if I wanted to be a fool, it's pretty easy to be a fool. It doesn't take much. You know, I had this sidebar. Don't let me forget where I was. Okay, I'm going to get back to this. The, the other day, I had um, one of my sprinkler systems in my house uh, acted up, so I had, to, uh, they had to cut my water off at my house at night. And so I had to go. Diane was out of town. I had to go get a hotel room. And so I called the hotel, and I said, this is Ricky. I don't want to tell him Ricky Temple. Because I said, well, they're going to say, well, he get in the hotel room late 12 o'clock at night. It <laughs> <laughs> don't look suspicious to me. <laughs> I called Diane and said, Diane, baby, I got it. They gonna, the water company came to the house. We cut the water off so in the morning they could find, you know, where the leak was because, you know, anyway, because the speeder was going crazy. And so I'm going to talk to them because I ain't going to pay all that water. But King G's name, I got, me a t I got me a note. Anyway, so I <laughs> so. So I called, and Diane's first response was, Lord have mercy. You got to get a hotel. Yeah, baby, I got to get a hotel room because uh, I can't shower. And I had to speak the next morning, and I'm sure they would appreciate me coming in showered. And um, so I, um, I called, and I said, it's, my name is Ricky. I'll, you got any rooms? Yeah, I'll, I'll be right there. And then I didn't say Ricky Temple. But when I, and finally I called back. I said, okay, look, it's Ricky Temple. Oh, really? Hi. 
Are you coming? Yeah. So I got down there and I walked in and I said, okay. And it was hilarious. It's hilarious. I'm really conscious that people do so many dicey things. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, child. He come up here getting a hotel room at 1230 at night. For what? Say his water is out. (laughs) But, you know, I understand that I could be a fool if I wanted to be a fool. But what I've learned is it don't pay to be one. It, it, it's, it's not the life I want for me. I, it, there, there's, a, there's a wisdom in understanding that what that does is it provokes God to anger. Because God looks at you and says, no, wait a minute. Okay, Temple, I gave you this, this, and this. Okay, I gave you a pretty wife. I gave you, okay, so now here's what you're going to do. You're going to sneak, right? You're going to play a game, right? Okay, so you're going to use your intelligence, the education I gave you, and you're going to be Mr., Mr. Don Juan or whatever. Really? Okay, well, I'm going to get you. I'm going to put your name on the get list, and I promise I'm going to let everybody know they're going to be videoing you if you're not careful. And there's something about understanding. You can get to the place where you provoke God, and what happens is, look at verse 15. Um, When you stop living right, the hand of God works against you. Verse 15, every time they walked out the, the, the door, I love the Message Bible, every time they walked where? Out the door, God was with them but for evil, which means God was not with them. If you do certain things, look at the preacher, here's what will happen. He will work against you. He will show them where you are. He will text you in. He will turn you in. God is a God who is serious about this. And so there's, the nation of Israel became this nation that God literally turned against. And here's why. Because they would not listen to their leaders and they, strong word, prostituted themselves to other gods. But they wouldn't listen, verse 17 said, to the judges that God sent them. They prostituted themselves to other gods and they worshiped them. And they lost no time in leaving the road walked by their parents. They quickly left everything their parents left and told them. And here's the big question as I close. Does this describe your family? Would you say, to be fair... We have departed from what our parents taught us. We've left the standard that they gave us. And here's the deal. If you are leaving important family issues unresolved, if you're leaving your family in the hands of bad influences, and if you stop healthy family teaching traditions, you may be creating hard-to-move children. And let me say this to you. It's true. People who have grown children sometimes look back and say, oh, my God, how in the world? How in the world? But here's what tends to happen. Somewhere between here and there, work becomes all important. Sometime between here and there, having stuff becomes more important than the kids. Becoming, and, and not resolving issues, not having the, the come to Jesus meeting. Now, and I'm not talking about lecturing people. I'm not talking about being mean and going in with a hammer today and saying, Pastor said, I need to have this meeting with you. I'm not saying that. Sometimes you need to have a meeting with yourself because it's your drinking. It's your attitude. It's your out-of-control spirit. It's the things you play and listen to. It's what you allow yourself to be entertained by. It's all those things. And, and, and I want to say this with love, and I mean this. I love your question about religious people and about the, uh, the whole the question you asked about religious people. Man, I'm concerned about us. You know, we are so self-righteous and so baptized in what we know everything and, and we, we know God. And sometimes I listen to uh, preacher people. I, I love us preachers. I, I do. I mentor so many. But I'm telling you, sometimes I, I'm sickened 
because I feel like, God, that sounds arrogant. God, that sounds like you don't have an issue in your life and you're lying to me. And when I look at your children, I see it. When I look at your life, I see it. When I look at your marriage, I see it. And I say to myself, God, help me. Lift your hand and pray with me. Lord, help me in Jesus' name. Help me, God. Help me be the man of God. Help us be the women of God that you need us to be. Help us to never lose sight of the fact that your grace is what helps us make it day after day. And God, we lift our hearts to you today and we declare in the name of Jesus, that you are the God who died and cared for us. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Not create hard-to-move children and hard-to-move families. And Help us, Lord God, to see ourselves in this sermon. Help us to know, God, that you alone, all that's going on in the world, the last thing the world needs is more confused believers. We need to grab a hold of our hearts and our words and our attitudes. And oh God, I pray. I pray today in Jesus' name that people would leave this service and say, that 24-minute talk was a good talk for me. That those Q&A questions helped me see things a little bit differently. And that today in Jesus' name, my heart's clear and I want to change. I want God to change me. Help me see myself. What am I contributing to making hard to move children? What's been my role? Was it my arrogance? Was I I out of sync and wasn't honest with myself? With every hand down, every head bowed for a moment as I close in prayer. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, what you said spoke to me. And I realize that my walk with God is is the issue. That I have not given my life to God like I should have. I've not served him. I I may be a good person, but that's not the point. I need to give God my life. I need to be all in, not half in like they were. I don't need to get it half done. I don't need to be, excuse the term, if there is such a thing as half saved. The people here believe I'm committed to God because I'm here praying, but the people on my job wouldn't think that. The person I went out with last week wouldn't think that. The way I handle strife, people who watch me when I'm angry wouldn't think that. What I say about my wife to people, they wouldn't think that. What I say about my husband to people, when people see me angry, when I'm cussing and I'm mad, no one would think I know God. Lord Jesus, if that that got out, people would say, what about me? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I may be a good person, but I have not given my life to God, not totally, and I want to do that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, please, for privacy. If you would please raise your hand, let me pray for you. You said, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to make a commitment today. I see one, I see two. Who else am I seeing? Three. Who else am I seeing today? Am I seeing four? Who else am I seeing? Anybody else? Five. Anybody else saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Six. Anybody else? I want to see you. Seven. Eight. Anybody else? And I see you. And I see you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. Put your hand up. Put it right back down. That's all I want. Thank you. Put it up. I see two more. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You know, there's something about taking a moment and saying to yourself, this applies to me. And you're just saying to God, I want him to pray for me because I acknowledge that I need to really sincerely give my life to God. I need to be sincere. In this day and age, with all that's going on, you really need to be serious about your walk with God. 
If you, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you did not raise your hand and that applies to you and you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand. Anybody else say pray for me? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Two, you, three, you, four. Anybody else? Anybody else? Pray for me. Pray for me today. All right. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Is that all? Father, in Jesus' name, some have lifted their hands. I saw you. I saw your hand. Lift, lift your hands, everyone, please. I saw, Lord God, a lot of people that lifted their hands, but many lifted their hearts. Whether they're in the building or whether they're home, we pray this is the beginning of a new life for them. We pray that in the name of Jesus that they would find their way today to a better place in their relationship with you. They acknowledge today they need you in their life. They acknowledge they need to make a start. So let this be the beginning point for them where their lives can never be the same. And I pray, Father, that their heart and mind would be open to growth, that you'd help them to find the answers that they need. I thank you, and I give you glory, and I give you honor and praise. I thank you for the difference you make, and I thank you, Lord God, for your forgiveness. You died on the cross to free us, and this is the day we declare ourselves to be free because of your sacrifice in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Can you give the Lord a big praise and a big hand clap? Oh, Father, we thank you today for your grace in our lives.